Have you ever thought about writing and releasing a book into the world, whether that's to share your story or to share your knowledge and expertise so you can help other people and grow your business? Well, today's guest is actually offering a really cool prize as part of our podcast giveaway. And so the prize is a 15-minute write, publish, or promote your book strategy session with Tyler Wagner, who is the CEO of Authors Unite and host of the Business Blast podcast. So if you want to get a start on making your book dreams a reality, head over to foundersconnect.co forward slash win and enter our giveaway now so you can win this awesome prize. Welcome to Founders Connect Podcast. We help lifestyle entrepreneurs to grow their business online and create a happier marriage. Did you know that approximately 45% of marriages end up in divorce and 65% of all startups fail due to founder conflicts? Well, we're here to change that. Each week, we bring you an inspiring guest and practical tips to help you with business, relationships, and sustainable living. Now, let the fun begin! Hi everyone, I'm Cindy and I'm Anth and we're from Founders Connect. Connect and today we have a special guest. We've got my man, my brother, Tyler Wagner, who's the founder of AuthorsUnite.com. He helps people share their value with the world, expand their impact and create freedom in their life by becoming a successful author and growing their business. He's also the host of a top-rated podcast, the Business Blast Podcast, and the best-selling author of Conference Crushing. So Tyler's passion is connecting with people and creating a supportive environment for others to thrive. He's got a really upbeat personality, as you'll see in a second, which gives his clients a fun experience while he delivers them results. Welcome to the show, my man. Amazing intro. Really pumped to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to start off, I want to ask you, on a scale of 1 to 10, how weird are you? <laughs> I'd say a 12. <laughs> yeah, I'm weird. I'm goofy. <laughs> oh, why is that? Yeah. Well, oof, that's out of the realm of this podcast, I'd say. <laughs> now that you've opened yeah, the door, no. we're going in there. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta shut that door real quick. Um, no, I'd say... So how, I mean, I just think I go about things a little bit differently, you know, like I just, I really like to have, like fun is of the utmost importance to me because I think if you're not enjoying what you're doing, it's very hard to grow. So I will go out of my way to almost make things like weird and awkward so that they're fun, you know, you know, so like right now I'm wearing boxers to be completely transparent. (laughs) Well, you know. Yeah, this is the business that we're building where we can do that, man. Like that's absolutely right. Okay. Um, All right. Awesome. I love that. If you had all the time and money in the world, what would you do? Similar to what I'm doing, honestly, like the podcast is one of my favorite things to do. So I think I would travel everywhere in the world and I would have like meetups with people and just meet and connect with as many people as possible while also traveling. Oh, that's great. Cultured. Yeah, you would do that. Yeah, definitely I would. <laughs> so what's your favorite quote? Favorite quote? I know, and I asked this question on my podcast. I'm going to go, and I don't even know who says it, but just be. And I know it's like so short and maybe it's a little lame maybe, but 
for me, I heard that at a conference and it was in San Diego and it really sunk in like really good for me. Cause it was just like, dude, stop putting all these like measurements and calculations on what you need to be and just be what you are. And that allowed me to really expand and grow as a person. Oh, that's great actually, huh? You forget about the present. Yeah, I think if you, yeah. yeah, we can easily get caught in our goals and things like that. And, you know, the busyness of life and business and you kind of have to remind yourself sometimes who you really are. And that's a good one. I like that. Okay, so let's talk about the biz. What is Authors Unite, Tyler, and how did you begin? So Authors Unite is a book publishing and book marketing company where we do people's personal books and we do collaborative books as well, the 100-person book that you guys were in. And it really started, I guess it was like five and a half years ago. I dropped out of school, wrote my first book, Conference Crushing, that you mentioned, and it ended up doing really well. And I was like 20. I was writing it at 20. I think I launched it at 21. Had no clue really what I was doing. Just gathered information from the internet and like how to do a book launch. Launched it, had good relationships. So that definitely helped. And it hit number one. And then what happened is a bunch of people started reaching out to me and asking me like, dude, how'd you do that? Like, I thought you were like going down a bad path because I had dropped out and I'm from a small town. So, you know, in a small town, like yeah. if you like do something, like everybody hears about it. Yeah. Tyler dropped out. Like he's doing drugs or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> but little do they know I'm writing a book. <laughs> you know? so. So either way, then, you know, Facebook's organic reach was a lot better at that time. So, you know, when that happened, everyone in my network found out. And then that's how I got my first few clients just by like organic reach outs. And then from there, created a whole business around it. So what is the common myth that entrepreneurs make when it comes to writing and publishing a business book? Oh, that's a good question. Okay, so I'd say... One of the biggest things that I've realized with people with writing, and it's not just entrepreneurs, but I'd say like just people in general with writing a book, they do it backwards. So I think, and I don't know if this is like a common myth, but what I keep finding with people is they try to write the book like a really good book, their first like way down. And that is the wrong way to think about it. The way to think about it is just to get everything out of your head and do it backwards almost, and just accept the fact that your first draft is going to be awful. Mm. So I think that's why a lot of people never finish because they're trying to perfect this first draft. They're trying to make their first draft a masterpiece. And it's just not the way it happens. How it happens is you get everything out of your head and then you take away all the junk and then you're left with a masterpiece. So I think that's one of the common myths is don't try to write a good book, just write a book and then edit it into a good book. That's what I'd say. Very good. There you go. That's probably a great tip for this one over here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm going to take that advice and don't worry, I'll be contacting Tyler. So we'll be working on that. Okay. Okay, Now tell us about some of the results that you've had with your clients. Like what are some of your favorite wins, I suppose, with working with some of the clients? I mean, my two favorite wins. So one, Jolie Dawn, her name is, we got her number one in front of the alchemists. So that was just pretty crazy. I mean, that's probably like, that could be besides the Bible. It's like one of the biggest books in the world, you know, like the alchemist. I don't know. So that was like wild to have that happen. You know. And then another one is a guy, Jason True. He wrote a book called Social Wealth. 
and he got over 40, now it's been four or five years, he's got over 40,000 book sales and he's landed over 500 interviews, including like TV, podcast. And now he like coaches high level executives and corporations on like culture and stuff. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, these results were like wild. So I'd say those are my two like favorite. That's insane. Like I want to contextualize all of that because some people listening to this are going, yeah, that's great. Amazon bestseller number one, but what does that really mean? Does it actually help the business? How do you turn that attention into dollars or how does that get you clients? Right? So what's your take on that? It's really up to you, you know? So I will say just getting bestseller by itself the really only benefit of that is the branding and being able to put it on your social medias, which is great. But if you don't also have, and you know, I know you do this, if you don't also have like a funnel, right. And like paid traffic and you're using that brand to get more clients, it's not going to actually organically do much. You know, if you just hit bestseller and then sit back and think, Oh, now people are going to run to me. Like it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I'd say it's a really good benefit. And for me, and this is just from my life experience, the thing I did first, and it helped people take me more seriously. So the first thing I did was launch the book, hit bestseller, and then, and it was on conferences. So I actually got clients helping them network at events. That was my first kind of thing is I would coach people on that. And then I got speaking gigs as well, but I was actively pursuing it. Like I was reaching out to conference coordinators being like, hey, this is my book, Conference Crushing. It just hit bestseller. I'd love to talk at your event to teach the people at your event how to network effectively. And then I got gigs from that. So not to keep being a dead horse, but you got to still take action after the fact for it to be effective. Yeah, I love that. Very true. Whilst we're on the topic of conferences, so what's one advice around networking that you can share with our audience? How do you network effectively, I suppose? Because a lot of people go to events and they never get anything from it or they get disappointed when you know, they're meeting the wrong people or whatever it may be. So what's worked for you or what are you advising in your book? Okay, so Conference Crushing really lays this out fully and like it was the best way that I could lay it out. But what I'd say is it's really about the people, obviously. So first thing is if you're going to an event, focus on the people and not the content. You know, content is abundant in my opinion, and that's not to downgrade the events content, but I think you're more there for the people. So just understanding that first is a good start. And then two, if you know the people that are going to be at this event, like the speakers, and you know that you want to connect with them, you want to like research them a little bit before. A mentor of mine, one of the best things that he told me is like, a lot of people will reach out to people that they want to connect with that are like above, if you will, then they are and ask if they can help them. Now, this is not actually the best way to do it because if you just ask someone if you can help them, that actually creates work for them to figure out how you can help them. So the best way to do it is actually research them, figure out how you can actually help them specifically, and then do that. And then it's a simple yes or no, right? It doesn't take time. So for me, what I did when I went to all these events when I was younger is I would research all the speakers, figure out where I could help them in different areas, like look at their Twitter, what they were doing recently. And then when I would go to the event, I would actually go up to them and be like, hey, like I saw you tweet about this. Like I can help you in these areas. Like I'll do it for free. I just want to like basically connect with you. And some people allowed me to do that. So that's one thing. And like thank you letters is another thing that's really helped. I mean, that's been big. Like I went to this event with like Tim Ferriss and he was one of the speakers. 
And that was the first day. And then they stayed after the second day. I got up the second day real early in the morning and wrote them all thank you letters and handed them personally to them. And I'm still in contact with some of them. And I think it's because they have that thank you letter like on their desk. Yeah. You know? That's cool. There you go. You would love that because she loves writing letters. Oh, well, I guess so. Now I have to write more letters, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) There you go. All right. That's incredible. (laughs) If someone has several ideas for books they can write, how do they decide which book idea is the best one to write? 100% depends on what they want the result to be. You know, so most people I work with, they're using it as a business tool. So what I would say is your book should really be a book that provides the most value possible to your target customer. So that should be out of all your ideas, like your passion projects, you know, crazy, like science fiction, novel idea, whatever it is. <laughs> if it's for business growth, then the focus should be a book that provides the most value possible to that target market. I think like the mindset of a consumer is like, if a book is very valuable to them, then the imagination starts to run like, wow, if this $10 book was this valuable, I wonder what their like thousand dollar done for you service or consulting is worth, like what that'll do. So that's what I'd say. It depends on the goal. There you go. Better stop finishing that book. You are listening to the Founders Connect podcast, helping lifestyle entrepreneurs to grow their business online and create a happier marriage. Now back to the show. I'm glad you brought that up because the reason why I haven't pursued or continued that original book that I wrote was because it's more of a biography versus something that I can actually help my business to grow, right? And that's something like going back to what Tyler just said, a biography is not really going to help sell my service, right? Like that's not solving a problem for anyone specifically. It's more like this is my life story and that's great for reading, but it's not really like, okay, this is how you do marketing. It's very different. For sure. All right. So what about those people who are going, well, Hey, Tyler, man, like I just suck at writing. So how can I ever write a book when I suck at writing or I have very basic language skills or English isn't my first language? How, what advice do you have for those people? Voice record or, you know, okay. So I'd say voice record, like it really, I mean, the tools now, I think one of them is called Dragon or something, Dragonfly. Like, and they actually are very accurate. Like they're pretty accurate, you know? So like that really works. And then secondly, Another thing to realize is how much power an editor really has. An editor will take your book from like a 2 out of 10 to a 10 out of 10. So like if you don't think you're good at writing, I wouldn't even worry about it. The goal is just to finish a rough draft, even if it is awful. And it's going to be. And then give it to an editor. Editing is something I highly recommend you invest money into as an author because it will change your entire book. It's unbelievable how different it'll be. Do you have a sort of recommended size of how many words or pages for a beginner author to begin with? Because this gives some idea of how much should I be writing? Do I, you know, 10 million words, like a thousand words? What's actually content? <laughs> One kind of way to think about it is like, so like 20,000 words is about a hundred pages, give or take. It's around there. So, you know, I think like my first book, Conference Crushing is actually only 12,000 words. Like it's like 55 pages or something like it's short. So my recommendation is to not even think about that. And it's to just whatever delivers the most value. So if that is 10,000 words, then that's it. 
because fluff is also not good either. You know, you don't want to just add to add. You want to have it be whatever the most valuable end result is. That is the amount it should be. Cool. There you go. I think mine will be like five pages. Five pages. <laughs> we'll do it. <laughs> there you go. Unfortunately, that book wouldn't have a spine because that's not enough pages. <laughs> But it's cool. That'd be staples. That's fine. So you took my advice literally, though. I like that. So more than five pages, so you can actually print it. But um, unless you add a bunch of blanks in the back, you can do that. <laughs> you There you go. Put pictures. <laughs> yeah. On the topic, you say the book's been written. You've got it edited. You got a publisher involved. Now let's talk about promoting the book, right? So, what sort of three suggestions or tips that you have on? Getting your book onto a bestseller list—if that's the goal—or actually getting it in front of as many readers as possible. Well, I'll break down like the four main bestseller lists. So it's New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and Amazon. So New York Times, you're going to need a fairly large budget, like over six figures or right around six figures. And that's because the way that their bestseller list works is it has to be all physical copies. So they don't count digital copies in their measurement. So basically, within a week time frame, you have to get the most physical books sold to hit the New York Times bestseller list. And physical books cost you know a lot of money, and you're up against like giants. So just know that. And then Wall Street Journal USA Today would become next in difficulty. And I've seen people get with like ten thousand purchases. I've seen them hit those lists. So you want like ten thousand purchases in a short time frame, like a day to three days. And then Amazon is actually the easiest, but it depends on the category, right? So, like, to get number one in all of business and money on Amazon is actually difficult. But to get number one in like sewing, if that's a category, the whole goal is that all your marketing efforts land in one limited time frame. So, ideally, for Amazon, it would be one day. All your marketing efforts happen that day, so like you get a huge spike, and then it kicks into the algorithm, and then you hit number one. So that's really the way the bestseller list works. So you're basically saying targeted or a campaign which drives a lot of activity on one specific day or within a certain time window. Beyond that, what are some things that you worked with your authors to do to get the book out? Like, great, I've hit Amazon bestseller. Now what? Like, like what do I do with the book? You know, you've mentioned earlier that it opens the doors for conversations. You were using it to connect with conference organizers. So what are some of the other things that people can do with the book? Well, first, I'll talk about like selling the actual book. So the two main things to sell the book is you want to get as many reviews as possible, and then Amazon advertising. So I think a lot of people with books aren't doing Amazon ads, and Amazon ads are like Facebook was like five years ago. So like right now, and not even I mean better than that, honestly, because like Amazon ads, they're like seven, like we're seeing like seven to ten cents a click, Amazing. right? It's like. Very cheap. Now we're talking books that only sell for like three to ten dollars or like twenty bucks at most. So take that into account as well. But、um, we've seen really good results with that. But only if the book has a lot of reviews, and that's because you got to think about a consumer. So if you're on Amazon, like just searching around, you come across a book and an author you don't know as an ad, and it only has two reviews. You know the chances of you purchasing that are very low because the trust. There's no trust. But if it has over a hundred reviews and it's a book on marketing, and you just so happen to be trying to figure out marketing, you might buy that book from the ad. 
So as far as selling books, reviews and Amazon ads, top for sure. And then the other thing is you can do with the book, and this is what you know I think you do a lot of as well, is we turn the book's value into an actual higher level service and we build a funnel and drive Facebook ads to the funnel to get the author on calls, on perspective like sales calls, and then they can sell their membership or consulting services. Love it. Yeah. I think the key message here is to have some kind of funnel set up on the back end before you even go down the path of launching the book. (laughs) So you have somewhere to drive that traffic to and people like, oh, cool book, but then how do I engage with you? Like, what do I do? And I think that's something that you've done markedly well with all, all the collaborative books and your own book. And that's something that people need to pay attention to when it comes to promoting of the book. Because I see there's a lot of attention on the writing, the publishing, the editing, but then this is like, okay, the book's up online and now there's crickets. What do I do? You know, <laughs> And it's like, what's your marketing strategy? Oh, we don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. And I'd say too, to realize that like, The Amazon ads are great and you can get good book sales, but you're not getting the customer's information. So that's why a funnel is like, even if you don't sell like a backend service, like you want to have like a website that can capture leads because just through Amazon, you're not building community or anything because you're not getting that person's email. Amazon has it. So you have to have your separate entity as well. Can you think of an example of a book that's been recently released that has done that funnel really well? Like for you, you've looked at it and gone, wow, that's actually an amazing job of how to put that together. Oh, yeah. Actually, I just saw one, James Clear. Mm, yes. James, did you see the ads for that? After, yeah, and, they're starting to pop up. I can see them, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the book right now, but it's on productivity. And I'm not even sure because I haven't gone through the entire funnel So I'm not even sure if he's using that funnel for like selling consulting or anything. I think it's actually a pre-order funnel to get like bulk copies at a discounted price. But like that, like the website, the testimonials, everything, that's a very beautifully put together. It's like a piece of art almost, I would say. Like, I think it looks great. (laughs) And that that says something a lot about the cover and the design thinking around that and the visual elements and these things. What you're talking about is an actual experience, right? Like they've put together an experience for the reader beyond just a book. And that speaks to, well, if I actually end up buying this person's consulting or their membership, whatever it is, I'm actually going to have a great experience as well. So that's really key to that, right? The brand too. And just to clarify too, I'm not sure. I met him like five years ago. I think he has like a blog of like hundreds of thousands of subscribers. I'm pretty sure. So just to clarify that for the audience, he definitely put in probably tens of thousands of dollars into this whole project, but it is, it's great. Okay. I'm thinking of creating a relationship journal to help couples with their relationship. How would you start a project like that? Or have you done something like that? I published a book called Relationship Agreements, but that wasn't a journal. That book was actually about polyamory, <laughs> like this couple. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> to be honest. No, I haven't done a journal before, but oh, actually, we're doing a workbook for this woman that's like in um, to combine with her book. So basically, like some of the pages just have lines so that the reader can write in the book as well. So what you're asking, like, what would you do to start with that? Yes. This is an idea. How do I turn to idea into something tangible? I mean, I would reach out to people in relationships and ask them what they're looking for. Like I would go to your target market and talk to them. Same thing with just market research. Like 
I would talk to them and be like, Hey, what areas in your relationship are like you struggling with and just take down the information and then reverse engineer a journal that provides the solution to those problems. Mm, okay, there you go. I'm going to be quite busy. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do the work, man. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to be a ton. You could just talk to like 10, 20 couples mm. for like 30 minutes each, you know, and just be like, tell me. And, you know, you don't want to ruin their relationship. You're like, tell me your worst problems. Tell me what you hate. <laughs> uh, and Maybe I'll start with you, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm single, so it would be me. (laughs) We're doing good, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Also, okay, we're going to go into more of the mindset of the entrepreneur here and just the growth and the journey you've been on as an entrepreneur. What have you had to let go of in order to get your business to where it is now? Control. (gasps) Control. I think that's like, I don't know if that is called like the entrepreneur's dilemma or maybe that's something else I can't remember, but like one of my biggest things, and I think this is with a lot of entrepreneurs is the reason we started our own thing is because we didn't want to work for someone and not have control. So like we start our own thing, we have control. And what you quickly realize is it's hard to get past, I'd say like low six figures without help. Like you need help. Like by yourself, I think you can hit the like 100, 200 grand range, like around there. But then after that, dude, you need to let go. And that is hard, you know, (laughs) it's hard because like the truth is you have to accept the fact that like your employees are going to make mistakes because they're people like, and that's just like, we all make mistakes. So that was definitely the hardest part for me is I was in this mindset, even though people kept telling me, I was like, nah, I can do it myself. I was like, nope, not doing it. I can do it myself. And then I finally let go. And that's like, there's been some bumps, but like that allowed for growth, letting go. Can you take us behind the scenes on that? And what steps did you actually take to do that? Because I know that people are hearing this and like, yeah, I've heard that before, this letting go concept. What do you do to actually enable that and enable your team to step up and step into being better? Giving them ownership. So I'd say, I think you guys might know Jessica. She's Mm. been my assistant for a while. So just allowing her to like manage client communication and doing the client stuff. So when somebody comes through Authors Unite, I had to let go and allow her to step up and take ownership of like certain clients and be like, listen, you're going to be in communication with the designer and the client and you're going to pick the final book cover without me. You know, like you're going to... And then like next thing is you're going to do the launch and I'll tell you exactly how to do it and you're going to do the Facebook ads, the Amazon ads, all of it but you're going to do it all. And you have to like, let them have ownership. And the deal is this, I was lucky, like as far as I can remember, I don't think we ever had like a refund from like any of my employees, like messing things up. But even if that happens, it's better that that happens than you not giving up control and to grow, you know? So like, yes, that sucks. And you could make a mistake. And let's say, the book doesn't hit number one, right? We have a guarantee where it hits number one and we give a full refund if it doesn't hit that. So like I put that at risk by giving it the ownership to somebody else. And if it didn't hit number one, then I think like the refund of that would be enough of a lesson to the employee that they wouldn't let it happen again. Mm. You know, if that makes sense. So it's just, it's painful, but growth is painful, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, it is. But you know, it's also good for you because it frees up some of your time, isn't it? 
for more important. Oh yeah, that's totally. I wouldn't be able to do the podcast if I didn't let go and allow my uh, people to manage Authors Unite. I would have no time at all. As mentioned, Tyler and Authors Unite are one of our contest partners. And if you're looking to write, publish, or get your book out there, or just have some ideas about that and need some help putting it all together, then you can win a 15-minute write, publish, or promote your book strategy session with Tyler Wagner of Authors Unite. All you need to do is go to www.foundersconnect.co forward slash win to enter the epic growth giveaway and there are also a whole bunch of other prizes that you can win as well so go check that out www.foundersconnect.co forward slash win you are listening to the founders connect podcast helping lifestyle entrepreneurs to grow their business online and create a happier marriage now back to the show all right now you talked about the podcast oh (laughs) after having done 900 podcast episodes yeah, you saw my last post. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Yeah. A lot. Okay, I'll say this. So there's a main commonality that I've seen. So two questions I ask are, one question is, what's your best piece of business advice? And another one is, what is the key to happiness? And a far majority to those answers are relationships. Mm. So people do business with people they know, like, and trust. I believe that. And so they say, you know, to that question, what's your number one piece of business advice is to create relationships and community and like culture with people. So that like, you know, I've built it up to a point now where like people just know me that I do books and like Authors Unite does good work with books. So if I'm like friends with someone, there's really no reason for them to like publish and market a book with somebody else. And they already know, you know, we're like friends. So building relationships and then also for happiness building relationships so that 900 people that's definitely a far majority the answer to both of those questions has been relationships what about as the podcast host like your experience of actually (laughs) creating a podcast from scratch and then actually getting that working from episode one right like what's the difference between the first 50 episodes to the last you know 800 episodes what have you learned about that process well the first 50 were terrible (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not like terrible, but like they weren't good and I had no idea what I was doing. But that, again, is part of the process. So I'd say like the systems. Now my systems are so dialed in with like getting people on the podcast, following up with people on the podcast, the distribution of the podcast to the 13 different platforms we're on. And now it's so dialed in. Like the only thing I do is interview the person. And then one of my assistants takes care of like everything else or like an automated system that we use online takes care of it. Whereas before I was manually reaching out on like LinkedIn, like one by one. And then I was like, I don't even remember like, and I was also trying to edit it one edit each audio. Like you can go down a bad hole with podcasts. I think like you can spend hours on one episode, you know, like we days. Know that. I'm not saying that's bad. You know what I mean? This is a longer form. So for the audience, they should know I do like a five minute podcast. I don't know. I just think you got to know what do you want to be doing in it? So if you want to be the one interviewing and you want time to do other things, then you should probably outsource the editing because I think it can take a while. But if you want to do it yourself, you can do that too. Hold on. So what's the biggest challenge you have facing 
Oh, sorry. <laughs> I just remembered you're single. <laughs> <laughs> but you can talk about your past if you want. So I, um, yeah, I got out of a relationship like six months ago. <laughs> oh, okay. What did you learn yeah. from that experience? Yeah. If it's okay for you to share. Oh, absolutely. I'm happy to. I learned that. See, you guys have a great dynamic. Like you guys are like working together. What I have yet to find is. I have to blame myself, but the last relationship, why it didn't work is because I work all the time. And she, I found, and I'm not trying to put the blame on her. Like I'm taking ownership. I'm just saying my vision is like very large. Like I work a lot, like 12 hours a day. I work weekends too. Like I like what I do. So yeah, like that, you know, that's awesome. I totally understand. Yeah. But the thing is, I think it's good for the woman to be supportive of that and do her own thing too, whatever she wants, whatever works. But I have yet to find a girl that is like acceptive of how much I work. And I've yet to like give in to a girl like her wanting to go out to dinner at five o'clock PM. And I'm like, yo, my day's like half over. Like I'm going till midnight. <laughs> so we can get dessert. <laughs> Yeah. You know, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I think maybe I need There's a more. There's definitely driven. someone out there for you. Don't worry. Thank you. I know. I'm lonely. <laughs> yeah, these dating service is opening up. So, um, <laughs> all right, <laughs> entrepreneur dating service. So we'll hook you up with an entrepreneur who understands what you're going through. So that's how it works. I actually think that's a great idea. Like you know, because that's what's interesting is like I definitely really liked her, you know, but it's just we weren't on the same page in our goals. Right. And that killed us. <laughs> so. Yeah. You're not alone, man. We struggled with that at the beginning. Cindy wasn't in the business and I she yeah. had her own job and like we had to work through those, like you say, get on the same page in terms of the vision for the yeah. relationship as well as for the business. And then that's kind of evolved into what it is now. So it takes work. Mm. I wanted to jump in before you got to the relationship stuff, but I saw that you interviewed Gary Vee recently. So yeah. what was that experience like and what was your biggest takeaway from the man? So that was exactly one week ago. So that was in New York at his office. Oh my gosh. You know what? This is sad. Like, I don't know the biggest takeaway, honestly, because I was so nervous. Like, I don't even really get nervous that much, but it was so crazy because I've watched his YouTube videos for three years and I get to his office. I have a videographer. I brought my little brother too, because he's a fan too. And we're in one of his offices and the table is like so small. And like really small, like width, like this width, like, I don't know, like two feet, like small. And he sits on the other side and I feel like we're like really close. And I'm like, dude, (laughs) like, I feel like I'm watching YouTube in real life. Like, I'm like, this is freaking crazy. (laughs) So like, I don't know. I was so petrified that I'm waiting on my videographer to get me the audio and the video Mm. and then I'll actually know what he said because I don't know right now because I was that nervous I didn't hear a thing he really said (laughs) even even Tyler gets starstruck that's good to know (laughs) (laughs) he's like my him and Tim Ferriss are like my top two so like yeah Gary he definitely had me shaking in my boots I was there how did you even get an interview with Gary V because I know a lot of people want that but you know, is it posting on his YouTube channel? Like, how does that work? Great question. So this goes back to the relationships and the podcast. So what I've noticed with the podcast is the more interviews I do, the more good things are happening to me. Mm. So what happened with this is it was luck. I could like help you with 
what would it be or something like that. I think I messed up the wording a little bit. And I was like, I'd love to have Gary V on my podcast. And she was just like, cool. And like, that was it. We ended the Skype call. Next thing I know, like an hour later, she sends me a screenshot. She had tweeted at Gary. She doesn't know Gary, by the way. She just tweeted at him. and was like, she doesn't even know. She just tweeted and was like, hey, would you make my friend Tyler's day and be on his podcast? It only takes five minutes. He tweeted back seconds later and said, fine, and tagged his assistant. Wow. That's Brilliant. Dude, that is how it happened. And then I followed up with his assistant via email and then I booked it. And we actually got like 15, 20 minutes with him. So we got lucky, but just a random tweet. Is it? There you go. Start tweeting, and everyone. So <laughs> <The> tweet. <laughs> <laughs> tweet it out. All right. We're going to wrap it up now. Just a couple more questions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's that book or resource that's really mentioned that has made a significant impact? on your life or business? For It by Alan Watts. Oh. Do you guys know Alan Watts? I know he is. What's the title? I believe it's Your It. I have it on Audible. Yeah. And I think it is like a book, but it's really a collection of 12 of his talks. Mm. And it's 12 hours long. And I've listened to it like five or six times. Yeah, Alan Watts is like my spiritual guy. Like I follow him closely. So I'd say that one. What was the lesson or something that really hit you from listening to 12 hours of Alan Watts? Well, what you're it, what he's saying is like, there's no separation between you and anything. Like the separation is all an illusion. Mm -hmm. So like, yes, we are separated right now, you know, as people, but we are all part of the same like thing, you know? So the actual separation is not real. And when you can feel that, like walking in like earth, like we feel separated from the earth, but like the air, you need it. So you actually are a part of the earth is what he kind of says. And it's kind of interesting when you change your mindset as like a visitor to the earth and then you change it to like you came out of the earth, like you were actually a part of it. And I'm not trying to get religious or anything here, but it's interesting when you actually feel a true connection to the earth and like no separation. It's a different feeling. Love that. You're getting very matrixy on us. So that's um, <laughs> matrixy. That's wicked. Some quantum physics, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Laying it down, bro. Okay. How did you make fun a priority in your life and business? That is very important, actually. It's by trial and error. A lot of people will ask me, how do you find your passion or like how do you have fun with your work? And for me, it was just trial and error. Like I took accounting in college. And I hated it. She loved I it. Hate it. <laughs> no, I hated it. I didn't love it. I just fell into it. It's okay if you like it. Like my dad is an accountant and he likes it. Like he likes crunching numbers. Like something about that to him, like it feels good. To me, that sounds like hell, honestly. Like terrible. I hate it. But <laughs> then I did a podcast and like a lot of people would look at my schedule. Like today I did like 15, 20 interviews today, back to back to back. And some people would look at that and be like, that looks like a terrible day, you know, like just busy and like not fun to me. I'm like, my endorphins are gone. Like I'm lit up. That's what I like to do. So try a bunch of things and you'll find out what you like and what you don't like, and then go towards what you like. Are you saying that's the most fun thing you've done so far? Oh, yeah, I may have not answered the question correctly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just trying to answer like, how do you find it? But the most fun thing I've done so far in business, is that the business question or, or in life? general? 
Like I'd say in college before I had um, business and right before I dropped out and I knew I was going to drop out before I did six months abroad in Europe and I failed all my classes and I did 15 countries in Europe and Africa. And um, that was amazing to literally know Hmm. that I had no responsibility. (laughs) I just like got everything out of my system, you know, and then I came back and then I had to rebuild myself because I got real bad. (laughs) But it was was fun. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. So now trying to work out how do we get back to that stage? outsourcing everything else <laughs> love it all right so last question for you mate well um, after it's all said and done what do you want to be remembered for oh i like that i should actually think about that even more clearly i would say i want to be remembered for somebody that helped others not take this life so seriously like somebody that helped others have fun during their journey I'll say that. Great one. I love that. Can I join you? Yeah, absolutely. Don't worry. We're going to hang out with the dude when we get over there and you got to come to Australia and we'll be here for you. I really do have to come over to Australia. I have to. So I will be soon. All right. Well, Tyler, thank you so much for your time, your wisdom and your love. You're just an amazing dude and we love working with you. Cindy's very excited to jump on and be a guest on your show (gasps) very soon. (laughs) Uh, no. And be on the other side of this. <laughs> and we also appreciate, <laughs> appreciate you partnering with us for our giveaway. So for those listening, we are doing an epic giveaway with a ton of prizes for growing your business online. And Tyler's offered up some business and coaching or for coaching as part of that package. And we'll share all the links in the show notes. And definitely offersunite.com. That's where you can go to connect with Tyler and uh, learn more about what he's doing and get involved. So last word, Cindy. Somebody needs to find him a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's the challenge. If you can do that, I don't know. Tyler will be very happy. Yes. (laughs) How fun person to be, I'm sure. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, All right, how about you? Any last words for our audience, Tyler? Help me find a woman. (laughs) All right, we're down. We can make that happen. All right. That's it. But, uh, I will leave it just there. Thank you so much, everyone. Hit subscribe and we'll talk to you real soon. Okay. See ya. Ciao. So that was our interview with book writing and publishing and marketing expert, Tyler Benjamin Wagner. So Cindy, what was your key takeaway from our conversation with Tyler? Oh, my key takeaway is basically when you write, you write everything that's in your head and get a really good editor to edit it. And I think maybe I should do it now. There you go. And any tips for getting your relationship journal happening? I need to actually do some research, ask uh, about 20 people maybe. So whoever wants to be my question person, feel free to contact me. Okay, really cool. And you're going to ask them some questions about their relationship and what they need some help with. I really like that. Really great tip. For me, my main takeaway was really to be yourself. Definitely resonate with that. And that comes down to what Tyler was sharing about networking as well and being able to really connect with people and build solid relationships, even without like trying to get something from them necessarily or whatever it may be. And if you're trying to connect with someone that you want to support, you need to really do your research ahead of time and understand what projects they're working on and then come to them with ideas around ways that you can actually help them right, to achieve their goals rather than just meeting someone and saying, hey, I'd love to help you and then putting it all on them to try and work out, well, how can this person help me because I don't know anything about 
this new person that's come up in our world. So that's our takeaways from this episode and let us know what was valuable to you. Thank you for tuning in. So that is the wrap for season one of our Founders Connect podcast. Cindy, how are you feeling? Good, because it's what? Christmas season. And we would like to wish you, our listeners, a fantastic break season to enjoy with your friends and family and however you like to choose to enjoy and have fun. That's right. And our contest for season one, probably over by now. (laughs) And we will be drawing the winner and announcing the winner in the first episode of our season two, which is coming back in January. So if you haven't already, hit subscribe and tune in for updates. You can also follow us on Instagram and on Facebook and we'll be announcing upcoming episodes as well. So we will be back, won't we, Cindy? Yes, we will with more, more, more interesting and more practical tips. For both your partner and your spouse and and your your business business and and your your relationships and your life. And if you have enjoyed our episodes and found them really valuable, please, one, share them to your friends and colleagues and whatnot. And also leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And we'd love to hear your feedback and honest ratings because we're all about improving. And if you have any questions for us to answer in the next season, please, now's the time to let us know because we're going to be start to record them soon. My English has just gone off the planet. Cindy, what have you done to me? It's called In The Matrix. So we will be talking about that in the upcoming season as well. And as I said, yes, if you have any questions for us to answer, please let us know via Instagram or on iTunes and we will answer that for you. Tune in and we'll see you next season. See you on the flip side. Ciao. Ciao. And remember to live passionately, purposefully and confidently. Till next time. 